never forget why you are the church. You may be seated. Now I want to warn everybody. That is going to be the easiest part of today, what we just did. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So today I want to, uh, we are going to continue the series, picking up the pieces. And I have uh, lost sleep over uh, this part of it and where to go with it. And, and if, if, um, if where I'm at, I have peace about it, but I, uh, it, it took me a while to get peace about it. That makes sense. But what to do when things in our life begin to fall apart? Has anyone ever had a time in their life where everything was falling apart? So what do you do when that happens? That is a question a few people ask before it's too late. So often that we are in reaction mode rather than proactive mode. We don't do anything about the issues we face, so they get worse and worse until it is completely overwhelming. Has anyone ever been there in their life? But may that not be so for us here at Cedar Grove. See, we have the manual and the guide to successfully be proactive in our lives. Now, we're going to quickly review. So we're going to read quite a bit of scripture because I'm going to review all three parts thus far. So first, we set the table for the series in James chapter one. It's what it says. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count on all joy when you fall into diver temptations. That word diver means various and temptations means trials, so various trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth. And the grace of the fashion of it perishes, so also shall the rich man fade away in his blessing. And here's where it's at. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. I don't know how long you live, I don't know how old you are, but trials will come to you. You either just got out of a trial, you're in a trial, you're going to go into a trial. And a lot of people, they say, well, that is a miserable way to look at life. And, and, I, and I try to remind them, you do realize that sometimes we do a bad job at riding the, the waves, riding the highs, riding the mountaintops. Because we're so scared that it's so temporary. We're so scared that, that it's just going to end up back in a valley. I want you to understand something. You cannot have a valley without mountaintops on each side. So I'm going to here to tell you that, listen, trials are going to come. But until then, let's enjoy life. And even when trials do come, we can enjoy life through Christ Jesus. Amen. 
trials will come, but we can endure them. Then we looked at picking up the pieces in our personal lives. First Peter chapter three says this, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. We talked about how we are, if we are to suffer, we are going to suffer with integrity. Amen? We are going to match our beliefs with our actions even in the midst of the storm. Then we looked at picking up the pieces in our marriages. First Peter, same, same first Peter right there in the same chapter, it says this, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together, the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Marriage is a great responsibility, but it is worth the work. And if you look to the world to know how to be married, you will not be married long. And your marriage will not be full of joy like it can be. This morning, we will take a look at another area of our life. This morning, we're going to look at picking up the pieces in our family. Picking up the pieces in our family. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. God, I pray that you just strengthen me for the next few moments, God, to be able to preach this message you put on my heart. Lord God, I pray that those that have ears to hear, let them hear. God, I pray that we understand that our families matter so much to your work. Strong families make strong churches, which make strong communities. So, God, I pray that you allow me to preach with liberty and power and clarity. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever wondered why the biggest fights you've ever had are often involved with your family? Think about that for a second. Has anyone, and me and Heather drive separate so we don't have this problem, but has anyone ever fought on the way to church? But y'all be calling, getting angry at each other. I know how it is. I got you, Spence. But no, seriously, listen. Listen, think about it. We all, we all are laughing. We all understand because we, we've been there. Right? Sunday morning is the morning. It's the Lord's day, man. By the way, it's the Lord's day. Everyone say day. That's 24 hours. You bunch of mathematic geniuses. All right? That means all day. <laughs> anyway. All right. But we, we get up and instantly we, we, we think, man, I, we, well, you should think, man, we get to go to church. What a blessing. And you start getting everyone ready and 
and people don't get ready like you want them to get ready and, and your shirt's not, uh, the wrinkles are still there and all this stuff's happening and breakfast is going. And then all of a sudden you start getting a little bit angrier than you were at the beginning. And then it all boils in the car on the way and everyone's slapping each other and screaming at each other. And, 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 then, and then when you get into the parking lot, the slaps get a little bit harder and say, okay, that's enough. When we get out of this car, we all love Jesus, okay? Listen, I get it. I get that. that, that. Now, that happened with my family uh, as a kid. I understand it completely. That is a natural thing. But why is it that it's our family? Family problems are not new. Think about it. The first family, Adam and Eve, had two sons, Cain and Abel. The first family, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve knew a world without sin. The first family, two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain ends up murdering his brother out of envy and anger. So the first family included a murderer. Go on down to Abraham. Sarah gets impatient and comes up with a brilliant idea. Hey, sweetheart, I know I can't give you a kid, but I got a handmaid named Hagar. Maybe you can have a kid with her. Abraham's like, sure. And he does so not knowing the repercussions that would happen, the family issues that would accumulate from that. She ended up having, uh, Sarah ended up having Isaac and God promised, and, and, and that family dispute is being seen lived out because, see, the, the child that he had with Hagar, his name was Ishmael. Well, Ishmael, believe it or not, was also blessed to have many, many, and many nations and princes. Well, guess what? If you're seeing in the Middle East, what you are seeing is you're seeing the line of Ishmael and the line of Isaac fight. Talking about family problems. How about Isaac and Rebekah? They unashamedly played favorites, causing a split right in the middle of the family. How about Eli the priest? Completely overlooked the sin of his sons, which ended up with their lives being taken by God. Family problems are not new. But no family in the Bible, I believe, had as long-lasting immediate family issues. Now, granted, I just told you we're still seeing the issues between Isaac and Ishmael. But I'm talking about immediate family and, and a whole kingdom crumbling than that of the family of King David. Lying, murder, rape, and rebellion defined his family. And King David was the mightiest king of Israel. Now, uh, Solomon was the smartest. Solomon, you know, he had all the nice stuff, but Solomon was a soft king. King David was a warrior, a man after God's own heart. Yet his family was completely in shambles. His family was an absolute disaster. How could this be? David was not proactive with his family. David, like a lot of us, could go fight a war. He could go sword fight anybody. As a matter of fact, he was a giant slayer. He'd go out there with a sling and a stone and kill the giant. He, 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 man, he could, he could run a kingdom. These men of valor listened to every word he said. I mean, as a matter of fact, one of the sins that he covered up 
uh, Uriah the Hittite, one of his men of valor, took a letter to the, took a letter to the front lines and, and, and died knowing what was going to happen, but it's because King David told me so. But yet at home, it was absolute destruction. So many families can relate with that. Oh, we're good at going to work. We're good at being successful in wherever we are. Everyone looks up to us outside of the home. We're known as knowledgeable or, or funny or useful or good at what we do. But yet when we get home, there's just destruction. That was David. You do realize God desires us to have strong families. And if God desires something, you know, God also desires every man to come to the knowledge of salvation. Amen. So what did he do? He made a way for it. He sent Jesus Christ <laughs> who died for our sins and rose again the third day. So now there's no excuse. Salvation is for everybody who will receive Christ. Amen. So if God desires us to have strong families, he's going to make a way for that to be able to happen. God's desire was not broken homes, not split homes, not miserable homes, strong homes. Now, I want to say this and preface this because it's very important to understand that grace can be given in any situation. You may be in a situation that is difficult to navigate. Your past actions and decisions, or maybe someone else's past actions and decisions, have created circumstances that looks like it will never get better. I want you to know that is no excuse to quit. You might have to work harder than the next guy, but God still desires you to have a strong family. You may say, well, I'm glad I, I don't really have a, any kids and I'm not married, and, and so this, this message is not for me. Well, before I even get started, let, let me explain why that's not true. Never before, listen, not every child that comes into this church goes home to a godly family. But they better see a godly family here. See, understand that not everyone goes home to a godly father, but they better have a spiritual father they can find here. Not everyone goes home to a godly mother, but they, be, they better be able to find a spiritual mother here. We get so egocentric in our lives that we don't care about the suffering or the struggling of anybody else. Have you ever heard the term, it takes a village? Well, I'm not going to say it's a village, and I got called out for calling a church a community. I'll go ahead and tell you this. It takes a church to raise a generation. So regardless if you're here and you have kids or no kids, I can tell you this. My daughters have a godly home. They do. I'm, that's not an arrogance. That's not me being arrogant. Me and Heather love Jesus. Now, we, we fall into the same snares of the world that everyone else does. But I want my daughters to be surrounded by men and women that understand the importance of not just saying they love Jesus, but living, loving Jesus. So understand these principles are for everybody. So let's look at David's family and see some lessons we can learn. for our. Now, let me, let me preface this because we're going to talk about some tough topics here. Don't go around spanking no one else's child unless, you know, okay, I, I don't, that was not the permission I was given just then. I could see some of y'all getting excited. I know exactly which kid I'm calling out. Pop! 
right? Y'all know, y'all know a kid like that. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that ain't what I'm talking about, okay? So don't be like walking around smacking no kids in the back of the head or nothing, all right? Unless they need it. But anyway, okay. So we're going to look at David's family and see some lessons we can learn from our, for our family. Now, these are going to get uh, pretty ugly very quickly. So if you turn your Bible to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to read verse 1, I, and I, I, I want to warn you, we're going to talk about some serious stuff here today. Let's look at verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon, now when we, when we look at this word love, it is not a brotherly, sisterly love. It is a sinful love. It is an infatuation. It is a burning desire. See, Annan became infatuated by, his, by Tamar, and this led to the desire that made it to an action. And what Ammon did to Tamar in that time was not something that could just be taken away, just like it is today. What Ammon did was something that was permanent. The defiling of Tamar, especially in this culture, made things very miserable for that family. And rightfully so. It was a great, grievous sin. But in that day, what Amnon did was worthy of death. Look at Leviticus chapter 20. And if a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He hath uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his iniquity. If you look in Leviticus and you study it, he was worthy of the death penalty here. So what was the response of David? I mean, David, a man after God's own heart and a family man, right? I'm talking about he had a bunch of kids and, and he, he was wanting to build the kingdom and have a legacy of his family. Surely he handled this. Surely there was repercussions for Amnon's actions. Well, look at verse 21 of chapter 13. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. In other words, King David got angry. Well, what was he supposed to do? Well, he was supposed to discipline his son. According to the law, Amnon should have been executed. Now you said, oh, by the way, let me, let me, let me crack a joke here because it's getting heavy. Y'all feeling the heaviness? Shoot, I am. So I was in uh, class the other day, and one of our students, uh, you know, me and him don't really get along too well, you know. If you've ever worked in a school, you understand what I'm saying, all right? And uh, 
I asked a question because I, I was going to erase the board and put on some more assignments. And I said, hey, have y'all done all these assignments? And he said, yeah, I've done the assignments. And I said, no, I need an answer for somebody else so I know that I'm getting a true answer. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, oh. He said, oh, why don't you trust me? I said, you know exactly why I don't trust you. And he goes, the weirdest question ever. He said, well, if we were in the Old Testament, would you be nicer to me? Now, you know I'm a preacher. And I study God's word. And I'm bound by the truth. I said, son. I said, if we're in the Old Testament, half y'all be taken out the city gates and stoned. <laughs> I promise I did. He was like, oh. <laughs> and then I tried to light it up by saying, that's Levitical law, but we're under grace now, buddy. You know, I love you. But no, seriously. Obviously, that's not how we would handle it today, but there, there should be consequences to our children's actions. A father, a mother, parents should discipline their children when they sin. That's the point we're looking at. Parents should discipline their children when they sin. But David simply got angry. He was wroth. Is that not what we do so often? See, we, we, we'll, we'll know something's going down with our kids, and we know that they're doing things that they should not be doing. And we'll ignore it as long as we can. And I, by the way, I'm not just talking about kids that live in your home. Your kids are your kids. Now you say, well, I can't control that. Absolutely not. I know you can't. But you can definitely ex expect them to know what God's word says, especially when around godly mama and daddy. But until we find out something, and then all of a sudden we get angry. That's not enough. It's not enough just to get angry. What was the result of David's anger? Well, let's, I'm not, we're not going to read it. I'm going to just kind of paraphrase it for you. But see, Tamar's brother Absalom, he didn't take too kindly to the defilement of his sister. By the way, no brother should, amen? So for two years, the Bible says that he didn't say mean things to him. He didn't say nice things to him. He was just kind of neutral towards Amnon. But in his spirit, there was and malice, and wrath, and vengeance. So for two whole years, for two whole years, he's, everything's fine. And then at the end of the two years, you know what he did? He, he convinced his dad, David, hey, let Amnon come with us. We're going we're gonna to take a little trip. And so when he got, when Amnon got there, and they got away from, from the kingdom or the palace, wherever they went, Absalom told all his buddies and everyone that was with him, hey, when he gets on his horse, we're going to strike him. We're going to all strike him. We're going to strike him dead. So now David, he got angry. But nowhere in Scripture did he handle the situation. So now two years later, not only does, not only does David have a defiled daughter, but he has a dead son and a murderer for another son. He got angry. Why? Because there was no discipline. Preacher, why would you 
use one of the most terrible accounts in all the Bible? That's the question I've been asking myself. Seriously, that's, that's what I've lost sleep. I'm like, I don't, this is heavy. It, it doesn't explain my family problem. This kind of stuff's not going on in my family. Well, sometimes we got to look at the worst situation to get us thinking so we don't get there. You do realize that every single one of us have the ability in our flesh to commit any sin. You say, nah, well, look at James. But every man is tempted. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Think about it. And then saw Tamar. It's, it was just a lustful look at first. Then it conceived the sin. And we see that it created death. Absalom, for two years, lusted for vengeance, was enticed by wrath and anger. Then after two years, he murdered his brother. If you study, and, and we're going we're to look at this family even more in the next coming weeks, but Absalom's end was not great either. You know what I find a lot in our churches? Excuses for the sin in our family instead of discipline. Now listen, you may have a good kid. Someone say amen about their good kid. Come on now. Love your kid, dude. Come on. I got a good kid. Ridley's great. No, I'm kidding. Ridley's good too. <laughs> but no, listen, hey, I truly believe we got great kids here at Cedar Grove Baptist Church. I truly believe we got parents that are, are trying. I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way. Does that make sense? I mean, listen, we're trying. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just kind of a, a struggle, you know? Because the world hates our kids because. We're trying to raise them to love Jesus. So, so there's going to be some tension there. But I want you to understand, you may have a good kid, but that kid can be put in situations. That kid can get places. Your son, your daughter, grandson, granddaughter, things can happen quickly in the area of sin. People tell me all the time, I was talking to someone at the school. I said, listen. Heather could not date till she was 16. And I thought that meant we could go like, you know, on dates. I did not realize that that meant you, you, have the, you have the right to call her your girlfriend, but you have two years until you can actually go on a date. And man, that, and I had to go and talk to Randy. And I don't know, well, I'm sure Randy remembers this because that's his little girl. But it was back when they lived in the, the, the old house. And, and I walked in and I was nervous. And I walked in, and Randy's like, sit down. I'm like, yes, sir. Where do you want me to sit down? Which seat? <laughs> and, he, and then all of a sudden, he goes, Heather. Heather's like, yes. He goes, this includes you. Get in here. And I'm telling you what, listen, that entire time I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is the worst possible situation. And then I'll never forget it. It was two years that it, we, 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 could, we could go to each other's homes. If our parents were there, our families were there. We could go with friends. We could go all that kind of stuff. But we couldn't, we couldn't go alone nowhere. That's just not what we could do. 
And I'm sitting like, man, this is crazy. And then when we finally got to that place, I'll never forget it. I've, I've shared this with you, and I, man, I was excited. We were going to go to Cracker Barrel, you know what I'm saying? Because back then, you know, I mean, that, that's just, I didn't know where else really to go. I didn't have much money. So we, we were going to go to Cracker Barrel, and then we were going to uh, meet some friends at the drive-in theater and stuff, which I hate the drive-in theater. If you like the drive-in theater, that's the most ridiculous. Just watch a movie at home. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've had like two cars die on me at the drive-in theater, and that's the most embarrassing thing ever, okay? But either way, so we're excited. Man, I'm picking, anyone know what zinnias are? So my mama grows the most beautiful zinnias, okay? They're all different colors. I was like, I'm going to be a romantic. So I was picking them zinnias, hand-picking them. I put them in a little bundle, and I'm like, it's been my girlfriend for two years. We've got to go out, you know what I'm saying? And listen, so I, she opened the door. She looked at me. She said, what are those for? I'm like, <laughs> nothing. So if you ever wonder why Heather never has flowers, that's why. I just want you to know I'm still scarred. But either way, I, I never forget because we had to ask every time to go somewhere. Regardless. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget it. A week before we were getting married. I said, Heather, I'm coming over. She said, well, let me ask my daddy. I was like, I'm about, I'm about to legit have papers that officialize what's going on. You got to ask your daddy. She said, no, you're not coming over unless I ask my daddy. Man, that fire, Rand, I'm just going to let you know, that fired me up. But can I tell you this? Whew, I don't want, I hope my girls are the same way. <laughs> let me just tell you something. Listen. People can say all they want. You put too many parameters, they'll flee. The Bible says you raise them up in the way of the Lord, and when they get old, they won't. What we've done is we, we want to have fun with our kids. We want to be our kids' best little friends. We don't want the arguments. We don't want the disputes. We don't want the, 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 the peace to be broken in the home. So often, the husband or the father and the mother, they see things differently. Therefore, the kids make it a way to be able to deceive and use them against each other. Listen, if our kids need to see anything, it's a united front that is founded on this. I understand we have good kids. But for some reason... We will allow our family to get away with things we wouldn't let anyone else get away with. And that extends even more than your kids. For example, how about that drunk uncle that comes? Well, that's just Uncle Bud. <laughs> your kids don't need to see that. Well, what about, what about that? That uh, the profanity that that person brings to the table. Your kids don't need to hear that. Well, that, that's their family. Hold up. And this gets me in trouble. You know, Jesus, he was uh, teaching and, and people said, hey, your family wants to see you. And he said something that stuck with me for a long time. He said, my family are those that did the will of the Father. Guys, we got to stop excusing sin because of who people are. Is everyone still with me? My goodness. I'm still sweating, you know what I'm saying? But it's okay. I don't have any more jokes. Well, that's just my family. Well, if you love them, learn from David and quit ignoring their sin. You won't pick up any pieces in your family with ongoing sin in the home. 
Now, discipline may not look like Leviticus 20, and if it does, you need to go to jail. But tolerance of sin will always lead to more sin. When you push the line, you know what you know what people are good at? Pushing a little bit more. Pushing a little bit more. And then the more tolerance, tolerance that we show, before we know it, it's not tolerance, but now we're supporting things. Well, they just got to do a certain thing to get where they need to get in life. Well, if you're trying to get somewhere in this life, maybe you need to reprioritize. I'm all about success. I'm all about every single person at Cedar Grove Baptist Church being rich as possible. Okay? Just make sure you tithe. But seriously, it's not, I'm not against that kind of stuff. But what I'm against is taking Jesus out of the equation just so you can get somewhere in this temporary world. Because with your kids, I, I don't have to share the statistics anymore, but we sit there and say, well, you know, they, they, when they were four or five years old, they were told. When they were in high school, they were told. They don't care a thing about it anymore. Why? Because we have taught them that all that's fine and dandy until something more important comes up. If you don't believe it, just watch the shift in our culture today. See, Amnon didn't wake up all of a sudden and, and defile Tamar. It was an infatuation that happened. There was a lusting that happened. There was a stare that happened. See, kids can give clues to their actions and desires. That one, that once, and, and, I, and I get it. Listen, hey, you know, kids are weird these days. Amen? Like super weird, for real. Um. You know, back in the day, it was fun to go outside and play. Now it's like outside, you know, in the sun and stuff. But seriously, think about it. That one kid that used to love being at the dinner table. They used to love family time. They used to love uh, being together and just having a good time and playing those game nights. Now all of a sudden, they're in their room with the door shut. Don't come in. Can I give you a hint? They're not just taking a nap. Have you been a kid? As a matter of fact, most of us have never realized the temptations our kids are thrown at their face every single day. We sit there and look down upon them and say, how could you? You'd have done the same thing if you were born when they were born. So what I'm trying to say is we got to pay attention. See, David didn't pay attention. David didn't care that his son Amnon was acting weird with Tamar. David didn't care that, that, man, you know, Absalom's taking this really good. I guess I don't have to have a, a talk with him about, you know, what Amnon did. David didn't care. He heard about it, got mad, and it went on. Absalom, again, waited two years to plot the murder of his brother. What does the Bible say about discipline? Let's look at this for a second. Because I know there's a lot of different opinions about discipline of a child. Let's look at it right here. Proverbs 23. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now, there are two sides to this coin. That word correction or discipline means moral correction. You do realize that it's not the church's job solely to morally correct your kid. That's your job. It should not be the church that has to show your kid the way. That is your job. Now, 
If parents refuse to do so, we will gladly take that role. But that's the parent's job. But that word rod indicates a thin stick or a staff. Anyone ever uh, been told by their parent, go find a, go find a stick? Mm. It's the good old days. Dad's like, I ain't never done that in my life. I'm like, Dad, you got dementia, bro. I, I mean, why do you think I picked up the sticks all the time? You know what I'm saying? He had a collection in his room. Like, this one looks good. But see, godly discipline from godly parents can be either, can be either both, can be either or both verbal and physical. But it should never be abusive. You do, and and I know people say, well, it it depends on the kid. Listen, if your kid fears you and respects you enough to where when you sit them down and you tell them you're disappointed, and you tell them why. And, and you realize that they understand that and they are broken because they have disappointed you and you told them why and you've, you've morally corrected them, There's, that's fine. Be glad you got a kid like that, right? But some kids, that don't really work as well. Right? i never forget River, and I know you think, man, River's so young. River's sassy. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, let's go have a little talk. And so I said, I'm not, you know, I'm just going to give you a little whooping. And she said, I don't want whooping. I was like, and so we ta- I'm taking her, you know, I'm like, you know, packing her like this right here. I'm like, we're going to her room. She's laughing the entire time. Now, listen, if you ain't never been laughed at by your kid that's three and a half years old, when you're trying to be serious, there's things about that, right? Some kids just need a little bit of extra discipline. Does anyone have a kid like that here, maybe? Okay, all right, so it's <laughs> not just me. All right, then. But see, here's the thing. We got to be careful whether it's physical or verbal not to be abusive. Look back at, ver- at Proverbs 23. It says this, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Now, as a child uh, before, there's been times where I thought I was going to die. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? But I didn't die. I'm here today. See, the pain caused by a spanking done correctly will not cause lasting injury or death. Discipline, physical or otherwise, should not be abusive, unfair, or administered in anger. By the way, that doesn't show the Lord, does it? The Lord's meek. The Lord has power control. The Lord has grace. But also, God is firm with his word. And he's firm and he chastises those that are his. Understand? In your discipline of your child, there should be love, purpose, and self-control. I was talking to some friends the other, uh, well, a long time ago, actually. And you know how, like, when you get out of the house and all those spanking stories, it, 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 they get really exaggerated. Not mine. Mine are true. Um, every story I've ever told you about old TW, uh, it's true, okay? And, you know, um, to the detail. But anyway, but for other people that, you know, were a little bit more fortunate, um, they would always say, man, you know, I would come home and my mama would spank me just because. Right? Or I would come home and I'd be grounded. They'd take my, they'd take my, for why? Oh, they just thought I just had a different kind of look today. Listen, as old school as that sounds and as fun and cool as that, you know, may make you feel as a parent, that's not fair. You don't want to discipline or, or show correction when there's no correction needed. What that is going to create is having a sneaky child that doesn't want you to see anything they do. It's going to close the conversation, if that makes sense. 
So the hands-off approach or the hands-all-the-way-on approach, those don't work. It is tempting to think they do, but your child was created to feel loved and taken care of. And if God, who loves us more than anybody, disciplines his own, then we are too as well, and we can take the model he gives us. Amen? Now, do children go wayward even with godly parents? So I've thought about this question. That's a slippery slope. That's a slippery slope question because we know what God's word says. So let me ask you. Now, now, I'm just going to kind of answer this question for us because we're all human, right? Have you always done it God's way? Mm -mm. I haven't. Y'all haven't. Did we promptly discipline sin? Not all the time. Did we show them and not just tell them? Have you ever said, do as I say and not as I do? Guys, what I'm trying to say is this. You say, well, that's impossible to raise a kid in the way of the Lord. It's difficult. I find even when, when, with, as young as my kids are, it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes. It's a situation to where you got to take yourself out of the equation and you got to take your pride and you got to take your desires and your ambitions and what you want. And you got to realize that you are making investments each and every time you have an encounter with your children. Unfortunately, most of us are like David. We will get mad at our children's sin, but in action, we will ignore it. We cannot go back and correct our mistakes as parents, but we can begin to pick up the pieces one by one now. I don't care how old your kid is. As a matter of fact, talking about picking up the pieces in the family, we're going to talk about this more next week. But maybe there's somebody in your family. You, you say, well, I don't have kids. And this, that. Maybe there's somebody in your family that you have refrained forgiveness. You are disciplining them. You are, you are making them suffer for something they've done a long time ago. And you're thinking, well, I can still live a godly life, but, but I, I'll never forgive them. Church, listen. What they did to you could have been terrible, bad, no excuse, no justifying it. But I want you to understand something. Let's think about what we've done to the Lord. All the sin that we've sinned against him. All the darkness we've lived in. All the lies. All the hypocrisy. All I'm trying to say is we're going to have a strong family. First off, we cannot neglect sin. We have to discipline the sin. But also, we got to make sure that we have grace just like the Lord does. Amen? Amen. And heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place.